Hello, hello, welcome to the Pava Show. <laughs> Today, I will be discussing masculine and feminine energies with Rina G. Patel. Rina is the founder and CEO of She, a community and services platform, taking a preventative upstream approach and providing peer-to-peer support networks for adolescents. Starting with female-identifying Gen Z teens, She is helping teens build meaningful relationships while providing them with access to traditionally fragmented services such as behavioral health and future preparedness resources. Rena previously founded an education and health nonprofit in India and has worked with thousands of youth as a speaker, facilitator, and meditator. Welcome, Rena. Thank you. So I want to dive right in uh, and talk about feminine and masculine energies uh, because yin and yang is a symbol in ancient Chinese that uh, stands for the union of opposites. And so I'd like to dive into that a little more and what that means to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's very, some might be wondering like why this topic, <laughs> right? Cause we could be talking about entrepreneurship or like mental health or any of the other things I do in my day-to-day life. But I think underlying a lot of, like our societal dynamics are these two energies. And I like to think of them less as binary and more as a spectrum um, because I think they convey, like it doesn't, like masculine and feminine energy doesn't just mean, doesn't just correlate to male and female. It correlates right. to this energy that all of us have. Um, and I feel like a lot of the imbalance in the world is because we don't have a, like it's, we're never going to have our masculine and energy, masculine, feminine energies balanced fully um, because all of us have different parts of that in ourselves. But um, I think a lot of the dynamics we see in our world are influenced by these types of energy. And I think if we took time to understand the energy more, we would start to understand what forces drive our like our, our different our different macro systems. Right, exactly. And you said something that's, I think, really important that these energies are not about gender. Um, And I think, in my opinion, they're more about like expansion and contraction. Life is a series of polarities um, Mm -hmm. and it's just a constant balancing act. Yes, yes, definitely. I think from, sorry, were you going to say something? No. Okay, no, exactly. I think that's what it is. Um, And like I said, like all of us have different parts of these energies inside of us. So it's not like where, like, for example, for me, I have, there are parts of myself that are like very strongly masculine. Um, but then there are other parts of myself that are like deeply feminine. And I think for me, my personal journey has been, how do I balance the two in a way that makes sense for me and given who I am and what feels right for me. And one part of my life that I've really struggled with or a period of time I really struggled with this is like how to fully balance the two. Like when I'm working, I'm really in my masculine, you know, and it's, and I'm, and I'm really trying to get things done. And then when I'm in, and I've had moments where I bring that really, like really um, kind of like that contain the masculine container into my personal life, which sometimes doesn't serve me. Sometimes it does. So I think it's, for me, it's been a journey of like, how do I know when to tap into what energy given where I'm at and what I'm doing? Because that helps me navigate and also build a little bit more understanding of who I am 
given the different situations I'm in. I don't know if that makes sense, but high level thoughts. (laughs) Yes. So yes, it does make sense because I don't think that we realize that we have the power and choice to be able to step in and out of different energies. So Mm -hmm. just to clarify, yin is associated with the feminine energy and states that it is associated with receptivity, harmony, relaxation, rest, intuition, whereas young, the masculine energy, the container is this like active, linear, structured and forward moving energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you can come in and out of those simultaneously as you please, as the situation calls for it, because yes, life is a balancing act. Um, I'm wondering if you have any examples from your own life where you stepped into one energy way more than you needed to and it kind of and it influenced the results accordingly yes yeah I think that's a great question so I think the first thing that comes to mind is my romantic life um so just for context I'm an entrepreneur I have always been in a lot of ways like I've I've never had, I think in college was the last time I had like an internship at a company. But besides that, I've essentially always worked for myself, um, just doing really random things. And then now in the last few years, uh, you know, building the startup and, um, you know, the energy that I bring to my work does not work in my personal romantic life. (laughs) It just doesn't work. Um, And it's because I like I can't bring. Rina, who's like trying to get like shit done to, uh, or, you know, you can bring it to the bedroom, but like, you can't like, it's, you can, but for me, at least personally, like with the men I've dated, it just doesn't work. Like I, the part of me that feels like I need to get things done. That is Rina when she's on and when she's working and when she needs to get things done and when she needs to manage a team. But the Rina that is, what I've, and it's taken me a while to learn this. The arena that I really am is like this, I'm, I'm like super silly and really goofy. And I just like, like to be really lighthearted and have fun and play. And that is me tapping more into my feminine energy. And I do bring that into work too, but I, I strongly lead with the masculine while in my personal life, I, I don't want to be in my masculine. Like, I don't want to always be on. I don't want to always be set like have a be setting the container because in my masculine in my feminine I feel a little bit more like okay I can take a step back and someone else can lead and it took me a lot of coach like I've worked with coaches um to balance these energies and it also makes me feel like through really understanding where I want to express those energies, it's led to a lot less burnout because I'm managing my energy and I'm directing it in a different way, depending on the situation I'm in. But it's taken me a long time to learn that. Like I've had relationships end because I, you know, I'm very much in my masculine and, and, and I think it's only because I wasn't truly in myself and leading in an energy that made sense for me um, had less to do with the other person, if that makes sense. Yes, that totally makes sense. Because I remember a time when I was running a company, uh, and it was a male dominated, dominated field, fintech, all my employees were males, and it just, 
I felt like I had to be really aggressive and take stands or otherwise no one would listen to me. And then I would actually bring that home into my relationship as well. And ultimately what I ended up doing was kind of like castrating my partner in a sense where I just became really dominant and I was suppressing so much of this feminine energy that was necessary for balance in life and even in our psyches. Uh, But I think that's such a controversial thing to say these days because as a feminist movement continues, sometimes I feel like society kind of strays us away from believing that there are feminine and masculine energies and it's not a matter of gender. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I've, you know, some of the, uh, so the one coach that I follow, uh, she gets a lot of, um, backlash because it is binary, right? Like you're, you're speaking in binary terms, the masculine, the feminine, but I think what the masculine and feminine really means is it's a spectrum of energy. It's like, that is a language we've attached to it. That is a label we have attached to it, but the feminine masculine have such a spectrum. Like I know, men who are more fem who are in heterosexual relationships who lean more on the feminine side and are looking for women to bring more of the masculine energy and vice versa with like men and women like it doesn't just have to be that the man the man is leading with the masculine energy really depends on where the energy is at and so i i think yes it it is something that has has sort of um yeah has not gotten a lot of uh good uh I would say like, like there, there, sometimes there is a lot of negative um, thoughts or comments attached to it. But I think if we understand that we're talking a spectrum, talking about a spectrum, just as gender is a spectrum, just as sexuality is a spectrum, it'll help us understand what these energies are on a spectrum. Right, exactly. It's not necessarily uh, black and white. Um, so how do you, so part of it is communication and the connotation attached to certain words. So how do you communicate this, this kind of thought process to the young generations that you're working with? Yeah, this isn't surprisingly, it's not something that has come up a lot because our, the community that we're building is, um, you know, it's a community for female identifying teens and it's a space where young people can come and have authentic conversations. Um, you know, this is something that I want to talk about more. It just hasn't come up as much, mainly because I feel like I'm balancing it in myself and uh, I just haven't as uh, explicitly talked about it, but it has been something that I talk about a lot with my friendships and, um, or with my friends and something that I've been talking to partners or like have talked to previous partners about um I think one thing that I do want I think again going back to the whole spectrum thing right like it's I think talking about it as a spectrum helps people understand that just as we say female identifying like doesn't mean you are a female you are a female identifying teen just you know like we say that it's again that is a spectrum just as much as these energies are a spectrum. I know I just said that three times, but I really (laughs) believe that we sometimes see things in such black and white that it doesn't, that we forget to look at the full scope of what we're looking at versus just like putting it in a box. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Simon Sinek also speaks about this and says that it wouldn't hurt our society for men to adapt 
adopt a few um, feminine qualities like compassion yeah. and kindness. Because uh, if our leaders worked from a place of pat, uh, compassion and kindness, the world would be a different place. Yeah, definitely. And I, I've actually, um, I've like made it a point to like, although I bring my masculine energy to work, I've made it a point to be very in my feminine also at work when I'm interfacing externally or internally, like I bring my like super energetic, bubbly Rena self to every, cause that is who I am. And I don't want the person that I am in a professional setting to be different from the way that I interface in my personal life. I, I want the two to feel very integrated. Um, and so, yeah, and I think I feel the same way about, I, I think being in my feminine or having my feminine qualities at work really helps me as a leader because at the end of the day, I am like, I do have a lot of maternal instincts. I nest, I, I like feel the need to take care of people. And that's what a leader does, right? A leader takes care of people, looks after its people, um, drives value. And I think, I think bringing in a lot of those feminine qualities makes us, like you said, much more compassionate, empathetic. Um, and I think at the end of the day, I'm building something to drive value in the lives of adolescents. And so I, I feel like my mama bear hat is like always on. Um, just for the listeners, can you clarify what nesting is? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nesting is like, so, so the way nesting has, uh, been expressed in my life recently <laughs> has been like feeling the need to get an apartment, stable, stabilize myself, um, like host dinners with people, uh, cook for other people, um, decorate my apartment in a way that is kind of is just like really comfortable and is an, is an open and welcoming space for other people to be in, but also a really comfortable and like snuggly space for me to be in. Um, that is how it's ex- been expressed through my life. I don't know if you have a separate definition of it. Well, so I just typed it into Google and the definition of nesting, the first sentence that comes up is nesting is a nat- natural urge. It's yeah. how women prepare mentally and practically for birth, especially in late pregnancy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's, it's a natural part of who we are. It's part of our feminine energy. And as leaders, I mean, I can only speak from my experience as a female leader in a, or in a position of leadership where sometimes I feel like the balancing the line of either you're a bitch if you're too aggressive and you stand up for yourself or you're a pushover if you just let everyone else talk and you're too nice. Yeah. And I've that, struggled with that. Yeah, that bounce can be so difficult to find. And ultimately for me, I found that just giving into my feminine energy works best. And then choosing to step into my masculine energy appropriately, accordingly. Yeah. I think one thing we don't talk about a lot, um, and this is something my, so I'm in a women's circle with two of my really, really close best friends. Um, and one thing that has come up throughout the course of the women's circle and has been an active part of my own personal development journey has just been surrendering. And I have really struggled with that. Like I've, I've struggled with surrendering like my entire life. Like I've always been in the mindset. And I think part of it comes from, you know, I'm a child of immigrants, you know, a lot of it is like, you know, you work really, really hard. Um, 
and, you know, a lot of us have that mindset in us, but I, I sometimes struggled with when is it necessary to take a step back and let the other person lead, uh, specifically in romantic relationships, or when is it necessary as a leader or just like as a human in general to take a step back and let things unfold as they will and just trust the process. And that is a very feminine energy type of thing to do because you're letting kind of the universe take action and, you know, let things unfold. But surrendering is not something that comes easy to us in this culture. Um, or as it, human beings. Or as human beings, yes. So it's sort of like, yeah, and, and that's been an active part of like, you know, sometimes when I'm too quiet, I feel like I'm not being assertive enough. And then when I'm being very assertive, I feel like, like you said, like I'm being a bitch or I'm being too harsh. So then how, how do you, and the journey for me has been, when do I know when to listen to myself and surrender? And when do I know I need to be firm and I need to speak up? And I think balancing the line has taken a lot of practice for me. It has not always come easy. Right. I mean, so as I've surrendered, I've noticed very strange parts of me show up that I didn't know were there before. Like I have this cutesy baby talk personality to myself that just kind of shows up when I'm in just really comfortable in my skin where I'm talking to some a loved one. Uh, and I, that's totally my feminine energy. Whereas uh, I'm working on planning a retreat and the, uh, my partners are two males. And so the first few meetings, I listened to them and their ideas, and I just sat quietly and just soaked it all in. And then yeah. our most previous meeting, um, I stepped up. I was like, okay, guys, I've listened to everything you guys have said. I've scheduled everything. Hear me out. Uh, and one of the guys even noticed it. He's like, I just want to say that I can feel your masculine energy right now. And I like this shift. Because mm -hmm. like, you are able to do that consciously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is it is a conscious act. It's, it's a conscious effort, right? And I think one big thing that I have been working on is how do I speak? There are moments where you're not always going to speak from a place of like, thinking about what you're going to say next. Like that is, we can't always be on like that, but there are moments where we do need to be tapped into how we're feeling in order to speak up and say what we need to say, or we need to know, when, okay, I, this is not the time and I need to take a step back and just be in that space of listening. Right. Exactly. So wait, do you work with partners or how, is your business structured and how do you find yourself working in and out of these kinds of energies? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I primarily, I, I work from home. I'm home. I'm alone most of the time. Um, I might start to go into a workspace, but right now I've been working from home. Um, and I, I mean, I have a team, we have a small team. It's so it's not as much in the day-to-day -day, or it is in the day-to-day, -day, but I'm not, it's not like I'm constantly talking to people. I'm mostly on meetings all the time. Um, but it is, I, I mean, I think for me, my life is bucketed by my work life, um, which is like either online or in person now that things are opening up um, through events, or it's like through my personal life with my friends where I'm definitely way more playful 
really in my feminine energy. I love to go out and dance. So that's like a big part of it. And then there's, um, and then there's like my romantic relationships where I'm definitely, I, I would say I'm like a balance of both. Like I, some, sometimes I'm very in my feminine, sometimes I'm in my masculine, but I'm, um, it de- definitely depends on the situation. Um, and are there any tools that you use to balance your energies? For example, I use meditation, journaling, uh, sleeping, walking, but sleep is non-negotiable, non-negotiable for me now. Yeah. Yeah. That affects my overall energy on even the s- smallest level. I can feel it at this point. Yeah. I think my advice for anybody that's struggling with balancing your energy is or is like just try it just feels off like feels some, something within themselves and their energy and the way they're approaching situations is off um and i have not perfected this but just kind of sharing what has worked for me um i yeah one i make sure i get good sleep um and that means if i need to wake up later i do like i don't force myself to wake up early if i know realistically i'm not going to get the amount of hours of sleep that i need um the second thing is I meditate pretty regularly um, because I find that when I'm starting, my head is starting to hurt or maybe I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. That's usually a signal that I need to pause and that I need to like leave whatever I'm doing, surrender and like go take a step back and almost like give myself a timeout. <laughs> um, uh, I think for me, another thing is I write. So I, I, writing used to be a big, big part of my practice and something that would kind of help me tap into myself. I haven't been spending as much time, time writing lately, but that is a big one. And then the third, the fourth one is dancing. Like I dance or anything in the arts, really. I, I grew up singing. You can see my piano um, back here. So like music has always been a big part of my life. Um, so like dinging, singing, dancing, dinging. <laughs> yeah singing exactly the combination of singing and dancing um I love dinging too yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna use that now so fun fact my name in Hebrew means so happy that you can sing and dance at the same time oh wow interesting just it's like pretty much my my whole personality is dinging so (laughs) (laughs) exactly Um, you know some ways I'm not always aware if my energies are um, imbalanced or not, but there are some telltale signs with if there's an imbalance in my feminine energy, I'll usually feel erratic, emotional. um, I'll be crying. Whereas in my, if there's an imbalance in my masculine energy, I'll find myself really angry or having a hard time letting go of control, uh, justifying things to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, control. Control. Yeah. That is a big one. That is a big one. Yes. Yes. I think, I think, I think that's a huge, I think control, that's the biggest thing, right? Control and surrender kind of go together. Um, I think that's a big one. Like we have a hard time trusting things. So we, to, to gain control of our realities, we don't let go. We don't surrender. Um, and, I think one big learning lesson, and this is something I've talked a lot with friends about is, um, you know, there are moments where, for example, if you're going, and and I'll I'll give actually a personal example, Um, like in personal relationships, a lot of things that I 
that actually one of this one coach, her name's Anna Roba. She talks a lot about this um, is especially in like more heterosexual relationships between a man and a woman. The woman will be like, okay, let me just like, he hasn't reached out to me or uh, you know, he, he isn't stepping up to be the man that I need him to be in my life. And so a lot of women will grasp or try to control or try to like make men step up to become the type of men that they need them to be. And what Anna Rova says, and this other coach I was working with said, said, are like, you cannot make someone step up and commit, right? Like, and, and a lot of women do this or like, they're like, I, I want to make him step up. And sometimes it works. I don't, you know, so everyone's different. Sometimes it works. It has never worked for me. Um, and so it's like, that is you as a woman being super in your masculine and trying to think you can, uh, you can get somebody to step up when really he needs to step up. And when he is ready, he will step in to his role or step up into his role as a partner, as a committed partner that you need him to be. But until then, maybe he is not able to step into that role. So you can't continue to force him and be in your masculine and ask him or like force him to step up. Like, that's just not going to work. Like at that point, you just need to surrender and be like, okay, maybe he's not my person or maybe the time isn't right. Um, but I think that's just an example of, of one thing that I've seen come up a lot. And I think the reframe of like, you can never make someone be where they're at by being in your masculine that <laughs> just doesn't work um has was always was like a very helpful reframing for me right because a relationship is like a whole thing and mm-hmm. there if you're in the masculine then you're not giving the space to your partner to be in the masculine and you know this sh- this has shown up for me in different kinds of ways down to dancing where uh, my partner and I took dancing lessons. And in the beginning, I kept leading because I, I like, I would memorize like the dance steps and I'd be in my own head and I would be leading. uh, And the dance instructor would be like, let him lead. And I didn't understand what that meant. Mm. And I would be like, no, Andrew, you're doing it wrong. Like, this is how you're supposed to do it. And it was, I had to let go. I had to just follow him and yeah. follow his feet, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah. And amazing things happen when you start to surrender and let go. Yeah. That um, you might find that the person steps up on their own, or you might yes. find that you're finally giving someone space to breathe, to be able to process what they need to process so that they can give you what you need. Um And I think a lot of the not surrendering comes out of fear of not being loved, not being cared for, Um, because surrendering is a, and like being in your feminine, like true feminine, I'm speaking from like the perspective of a woman can feel like a very scary thing because you're finally letting go of control when most of your life out of a fear response, out of like a fight or flight response, you have like literally taken your life by the balls and like, and like, like done everything yourself. And then finally, when it comes to like surrendering, surrendering and letting go, you're finally trusting this thing that you don't know if you can trust it. And it's a scary process. And I think we're, I think the, the process that a lot of women are finding themselves in now is like, wow, maybe I can 
become successful. Maybe I can be a leader. Maybe I can live the life that I want by truly embodying my feminine. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't need to become this other thing or live life like a man. Like maybe I can actually. And I think the reason for that is we have examples like Sarah Blakely is one of them. Um, We have other female entrepreneurs and just other people that are paving the path for us. But I think for a long time, we were like scared into operating in a very, very different way, which was harmful for us. And I think that fear response lives in us. It's like definitely a generational fear response. Right. Because I remember growing up, I was told that, you know, my job was to be a housewife and have children growing up uh, after I I got married. Um, And so I had to cook, I had to learn how to clean. Um, And these are things that I really became avoidant of for a while as when I left home, became independent. Uh, these were things I was like, no, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to have a career. Yeah. Uh, and now I realize, wow, I love cooking. <laughs> I love cooking. Why have I been denying that part of myself? Yeah. It, it's how it's part of how I show love. It's a compassionate feminine part of me that helps me balance out. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, I have friends who hate cooking, but like love doing other things. Right. And it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's so different for all of us. Um, I think one thing I, I think you bring up a really good point around how we're raised and the cultures that we're raised in. Um, I'm like, I'm so grateful for my culture. Like I love, I, I wholeheartedly embrace my Indian identity. And I think it's such a huge part of who I am today and why I am today. I spent my summers growing up in India. My mom would take me every summer. I would spend village, spend, spend time in my, in the villages where my parents were born and raised. And, but I think there are parts of my Indian identity that are, that like have gotten, um, I don't know the right way to say this, but like that I've had a hard time integrating within myself because part of it is I've, I've resisted more of like around the gender roles, although I have such a deep appreciation for our culture and heritage and like what we represent historically, right? Like in terms right, of, in terms of like Eastern tradition and like, like Saraswati and like Kalimata and like what all of the goddesses represent are in a lot of ways so different from like what the culture over time has made it to be with, um, you know, women just constantly being oppressed and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And so I think for me, I've been trying to hold both. Like I can have a deep appreciation for my culture, but I can also want to carry, carry it forward in a very different, more modern way. That doesn't mean that I have to be in this like traditional gender role, but growing up, I think like, I always like envied my, my, or I always admired my dad more. Right. Cause my dad was like, the businessman. He was the one that was going out. He was the one that was like making things happen. And I didn't quite understand the role that my mom played. My mom worked, but like up until a certain time, and then she stopped working. And I never fully appreciated her role as a mother and as a caretaker and like essentially like keeping the home running until I got older and realized, wait, wow, I am, I am so much of her as much as I am so much of my father. And it is like her, the fact that she kept the home running, the fact that she raised me and my sisters, my dad raised us too. But like my mom was definitely the nurturer. Both my parents are like 
natural community leaders. Like our home was kind of like the epicenter of gathering a lot of Indian people in our community. And so I think I took me until becoming an adult to be like, well, my mom's role as a caretaker and a nurturer and as a mother is just as or even more important than my dad's role as like this person who has gone out and made a lot of money and all that stuff. Um, and has like, you know, come out of poverty and really like given education to me and my sister. So it took me a long time to appreciate that. But I think that appreciation came through the fact that I started to embrace my own womanhood. Um, but, you know, it took me a long time to get there. And was there a point in time that kind of shifted this narrative for you where you started realizing, oh, I should, I'm actually very appreciative of these feminine qualities as well? Or was it this gradual change over time? Yeah, I think it was. Um, so after I graduated from college, when I was 21, when I graduated from college, decided to finish a year early because I had this dream of moving to India that had always been what I wanted to do. Um, and, but I felt kind of conflicted, right? Like I, I had this job offer at JP Morgan um, at, where I had this like choice. I, it wasn't really a choice, but it was something I really wanted to do was to go to India and like work in rural villages and these slums and work with young people. And um, I decided not to, to pursue the, the job at JP Morgan. I told my family, I was like, I'll be back in three months. I left with a backpacking backpack. I was like, I'll be gone for three months. I ended up coming back after three years. Um, and for me, it was that journey living in India and separating myself from mainstream Western culture. Like I was living in a very alternative community in India um, called the, it was, it was through an organization based out of the Gandhi ashram in Ahmedabad, Gujarat, um, which was like, it was a very spiritual community. It was the first time that I felt like I didn't have to be anywhere or do anything or be anyone really. I, I didn't feel that pressure of like success or making a lot of money. I like had people right in front of me who were, we're getting respect from others just by being really kind people and having that nurturing type of quality. And this is men and women, both, not just women. Um, and that was the first time I started to be like, I have that in me and I have that in me because it's been modeled for me through my mom. It's also been, it was also modeled through me for me through my dad too, in some ways, but really through my mom. And that's when I started to embrace that part of me that like loves to host, loves to cook, loves to like, that has this like very deep maternal instinct. Um, and so, yeah, but it took me leaving a physical place. And now the, for me, the practice has been, how do I come back to that part of myself without having to completely leave society and like essentially live in an ashram? Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, Jay Shetty had a similar journey. Yes, yes. Right, yeah, yeah. Where he goes to this ashram and three years later, he comes back. Yeah. And actually, it's so interesting. I was having this conversation with two people I met yesterday at, um, at a networking event, and they had a similar journey, but they're much younger. Um, and I was telling them how I seriously contemplated just living in India for the rest of my life and meditating. And I was doing like Vipassana, like 10 day silent meditation retreats <laughs> once a year and like sitting in multi-day meditation retreats. I was I was celibate. I was living like 
like a monk, essentially, I was eating very simple food. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I, it took me those three years to be like, wait, I, no matter what, I'm going to have this hunger inside of me to go and build something in the world. This part of me will always feel dissatisfied if I stay and like live this very like monastic type of life. My real work and my real dharma is like out in the world. This is my real duty in life. Um, but it took me those three years. My parents thought I was like brainwashed and all this other stuff. Um, but it took me three years to be to come to this place of like, okay, I've done the work I need to do on myself. And now the work I need to do on myself and in the world is not here. It's out in the world. Right. Uh, yeah, that's so funny because Jay Shetty also jokes that in Brown families, you have three options. You're either a doctor, a lawyer, or a failure. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah his family thought he lost his mind too. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, as far as balancing feminine and masculine energies go, for me, it was kind of a gradual shift over time. It wasn't necessarily this uh, moment in time. And it started, I think, if I really reflect, it started when my papa passed away. Uh, so my adopted family in Pakistan. And it was after that point where I saw my mama in Pakistan as a woman hold her shit together. She has managed to provide over the past 10 years. She has not let her household fall apart. She's managed to provide for her children and not just provide like financially, but also emotionally and like she really is a caretaker at the same time and to see her balance these energies inspires me to be like oh wow I'm capable of so much more yeah if she can do it I can do it I think you I think you bring up a really great point around uh emotional support right like that I think that support especially in the home like you can't attach a monetary value to that so we we haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about like or or even like putting an emphasis on people who provide that emotional support which usually is the person who's staying at home or supporting the household or keeping the household running um actually i did my master's thesis on um it was in anthropology and creative writing but um part of it was was on like writing papers of how um, you know, a lot of farm labor back in the day was there, there is no monetary value attached to it when women would do it because farm, they would do farm labor. They would do the car caretaking. They would do, um, they would turn the butter. They would, um, you know, they would, um, uh, like make, put the grains into pow make the grains into powder. Um, and then all the while, like be pregnant and like giving birth and like nursing and all those things. Uh, and then on top of that, like you said, the emotional burden or emotional responsibility of running a home. Um, and that takes so much power and strength, but because we don't have, we don't, we don't attach monetary value to that. It's often become, goes undetected and people don't realize like, whoa, this one person is doing the job of like five people. Right. I mean, I feel the same way about our educational system for the record. Um, I, <laughs> I, I've worked in a preschool this past summer and it was just amazing to me that I was, there was a point in my life where I was getting paid uh, upwards of six figures to copy and paste numbers from one spreadsheet, Excel spreadsheet into another. And I was getting paid 
maybe a tenth of that, less than a tenth of that, um, raising little balls of consciousnesses. Yeah. Like minimum wage. My sisters and I were talking about that because my oldest sister has her son in daycare. He's seven months old. Um, and they pay, I don't know, I think daycare, I don't know how much they pay, but like, I know average daycare is like 30, $35,000 a year. Um, maybe even more if you're living in somewhere like New York and less if you're living in like a more rural area, but it's crazy that most of the people that work at those daycare centers are so underpaid. So it's like, like there's such a divide between, okay, you know, parents are paying this much to have their kids taken care of, but then the people that are working there are getting paid so little. Right. Because our education system is set up like a corporation. It's like, what are we actually valuing here? Are we valuing, I suppose you could break it down into the feminine energy of doing the compassionate work and raising the children because it takes a village or are you valuing valuing the masculine structured uh linear monetary value mm-hmm. you know and i think there's a balance i think you can do both uh, i've seen few people do it but there is a school in new hampshire where this woman has been able to build her entire career based off of teaching with compassion Mm-hmm. And therefore the business has been so successful. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one thing that I realized, and actually I didn't learn this until recently, was that my, um, like the villages where my parents are from, they used to have somebody who was considered the caretaker of the village. So every time a mom would need to go or like someone would need to go to the farm they would just drop this person off at this caretaker's home and that caretaker was indirectly compensated for taking care of their children but it was like built into society so like people would drop off bags of rice or they would like make sure the person the person's family was fed or they would make sure that you know if they had extra crops at the end of the harvesting season they would drop off a bunch of crops to their home so that those people could go and sell it like it was like, it was just like embedded into society so that there was, there was a system, but it was like almost like a, it wasn't like a fixed system, but it worked because people were able to have their children taken care of. But then at the same time, this person who was taking care of all these people's children felt respected and felt like they were taken care of by the rest of society. Right. Valued. Um, Yeah. And I think that's a sense of I mean, idealistically, that's a sense of community or what we would mm-hmm. believe community to be and the benefits of having a, com- a community. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was awesome. Uh, anything you'd like to leave the listeners with on any tips that you have for balancing your energies or to be aware of that your energies as you move throughout the day? Yeah, I mean, just that it's fluid and you know, I think it's all about just getting to know yourself and like knowing what works for you. I think it's different for everyone. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited that we've finally got the time to have this conversation. Me too. I mean, I just want to leave off with, I think letting go and surrendering are just so important. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the yin and yang of life, the control that you want ultimately you actually gain more control by letting go and surrendering. Yes. 
I agree. I agree. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rena. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was great to see you. You too.